Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Alrighty, welcome back to the show today. We kind of just barely started talking about prayer yesterday, wouldn't you think? Yeah, it could go on and on and on and on. <laughs> and we really talked about the kind of the individual kind of aspect of prayer, and there, there's so much more that um, could be said, uh, but we kind of want to talk about the corporate nature of prayer today. Is that where you wanted to go? Well, Am I, I misreading you? No, not at all. I We just ended yesterday about some of the passages from Matthew that talk about praying in secret, and I, I know that sometimes there can be kind of a, a reaction, maybe an overreaction to that about, oh, that's why... We we shouldn't have congregational prayers and um, what do you, what do you mean by congregational prayers like so the minister or an elder praying in the congregation during the uh, worship service going before God on behalf of really the congregation so you've heard some people conclude that we shouldn't have congregational prayer because of what Jesus says in Matthew six yes okay I've not heard that before and so it's, that's why sometimes you'll just you will not have a congregational prayer in some churches right. Well, and but but in the book of Acts, models for us, and you see it multiple times in the book of Acts, public prayer, Mm -hmm. Uh, public prayer and group prayer, people offering prayer aloud in front of a you know in front of a big gathering of people, and and also Mm -hmm. people coming together in well in in a prayer group when the day of Pentecost came. It's Mm -hmm. the, the the apostles had been in prayer together. For what forty days for for a long time uh, that they they had been gathering for prayer every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't okay. You go off into your prayer closet and then, right. you know. Obviously, I think that's assumed, but they're modeling for us group prayer also. Well, even when we pray publicly, that we do go into that closet. You know, we we're we're not praying specifically. We. What we have to do is we have to forget that we're we were on the stage. Yes. You were talking about the hypocrites, the actor and the theater. Yes. We're not the actor in the theater at that point. We are we are modeling prayer and we are praying on behalf of yes. a congregation if we're involved in pastoral yes. prayer. And that's yeah. one of the the dangers of pastoral prayers or congregational prayer is what we forget who our audience is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it is an audience of one. It is God. Yeah. You know, and and when we talk about what those activities of corporate prayer, um, we're really saying this is part of what God has structured in His Word. We call it the Reform principle worship, maybe, uh, which is what God's Word has prescribed. This is the, what we do in worship, and we see that corporate nature of prayer throughout, even in the Psalms and in other places, like in the Book of Ezra. You know, when the people came together, um, there were, you could go through and see all these elements that take place in worship in the book of Ezra. And one of them is, is the people gather before um, Ezra and the people. He says, 
I fell on my knees with my hands spread out to the Lord my God, and I prayed. And he prays out in chapter 9. He's praying in front of all the people. And then uh, while Ezra was praying and confessing, weeping and throwing himself down before the house of God, a large crowd of Israelites, men, women, and children gathered around him, and they too begin, and they too are in prayer. So that's chapter 10. So he leads them in prayer, and they pray uh, along with him. I actually don't know the answer that these guys are going to give to this, but um, do you guys write out your congregational prayer? I I write an outline. I don't write out a text Mm -hmm. because I don't want to just be reading it. Although, well, I'll take that back. Sometimes I do. Mm -hmm. And particularly if if there's a situation that I want to pray something specifically for, I'll put some thought into, you know, writing out a word-for-word prayer. I usually won't stick to a script, you know, like, you know, word by word. But it helps me to think through how, uh, Lord, Father, how, how do you want me to express this prayer publicly? And I don't think there's anything wrong with putting some thought into that. I think I, is, I, I, I think sometimes we're such creatures of habits where we tend to pray the same way every time. And yes. so uh, the benefit of actually a composed prayer is to um, pray um, you know, God's Word. We talk about how we sing God's Word, how we preach God's Word, how we read God's Word, and how we pray God's Word. But by taking inspiration from a text of Scripture and then composing a prayer from there keeps our prayers from being repetitive. Yes. And, uh, and so in this way, I, I'll compose those prayers, and then when I address them to the specific needs of the congregation, those needs change every week and, and you know every day. So that composition then takes a free form within that prayer yes. as we lift up the needs of, of nation and uh, leaders and congregation before the Lord. Well, and this may, this may take us in another direction, but I've found that praying the composed prayers of others, and particularly great Christian leaders of the past, praying their composed prayers for me and just in my own personal Quiet time can be a, a powerful and, and, and expand and grow my own prayer life. Just For instance, just the other day at our little mini-conference, I picked up a little book on the prayers of John Knox. Mm-hmm. Oh my, what a wonderful little volume. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, a, it's a collection of, of all, the, it's all the composed prayers of John Knox, and he had, Knox brought the Reformation to Scotland, kind of the father of Presbyterianism. And uh, hoorah, hoorah. <laughs> so we have anyway this wonderful little collection of his prayers, composed prayers, and it's just wonderful to open them up, open that little volume, and pray them. We we did the same thing in our church through um, the the Reformation season. Here, there was a couple Sundays in a row where um, the and even the notation in the bulletin, we actually print those in the bulletin, uh, uh, adapted from the prayers of Martin Luther. It wasn't word for word Martin Luther, but it was uh-huh. in that in the same structure and the same thought of Martin Luther and maybe updated uh, some of that language. We use those um, prayers of confession of Martin Luther's yeah. in our Sunday service. Mm-hmm. There's just been a, a, a wealth of materials 
um, produce in the last little bit that are helpful for this. So the one that Phil was talking about, the collected prayers of John Knox, there's been a book published about some of the collected prayers of John um, Calvin, yeah. um, Valley of Vision, that was a little while ago, but that's prayers of the Puritans. There is a new book on um, the prayers of the, of the Puritans as well. We're not saying that prayer is formulaic. Like Jonathan was saying, sometimes we can get into a rut um, mm-hmm. where we're just in in some ways mindlessly saying words we don't mean to. Yeah. Um, well, for instance, ask our kids at the meal table. Yeah. Yeah. They'll for, know. So so on that though, I, just like we can be mindless in our praying corporately. So probably most of our listeners um, are ones and ones of listeners aren't pastors. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know we have like a, a listenership of like 10. And so four of them is the guys sitting around this table. <laughs> but for those of, for the, for the members in our churches that are listening to corporate prayers, what, what should, how should they act during a corporate prayer? I actually think this is touching on spiritual warfare that happens every single Sunday. What should I do with myself when the pastor is praying? I think that what you need to know in corporate prayer is he is voicing your prayer. He is, he's praying on your behalf. You know, these are the prayers of God's people being lifted up to God, not simply the past. You know, some places it's called the pastoral prayer. It's not the pastor's prayer. You know, better, it's a, a prayer of supplication on behalf of all the people. Uh, right. and that's and that's important mm-hmm. well and what i what I really try to do when i'm when I'm sitting in a worship service that's being led by someone else and i'm it, when and we're we're in a time of prayer and I've got my head bowed and the pastor up front is praying what I try to do and and I'll confess that my mind wanders just like anybody else's and don't beat yourself up about that. You know, you're starting to think about what you're going to have for lunch and when does the roast need to go in the oven and and all kinds of things will pop into your head. Just refocus your heart and pray along with the pastor as he is leading you in prayer. Silently, you are listening to the words and letting that move through your heart uh, in supplication to the Lord and praise to the Lord and uh, as well. But you're praying along with him only silently. Mm-hmm. Just to shift gears, hopefully um, we're also praying in our homes. Like Jonathan said, one of the the roles that we as pastors do is we're modeling prayer to the people in the congregation as we're praying on their behalf. And we do the same thing, hopefully, as parents in the homes. We're modeling prayer to our children. Um, but I hopeful, I'm I'm also hopeful that you are having your children also um, be part of the praying rotation in your home. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Give them a, a safe opportunity to to learn how to pray out out loud, mm-hmm. um, and so whether that's at the meal table before or after the meal or at nighttime as, during your family devotions, um, give them an opportunity to to pray, yeah, and to help well, them with that on a, yeah. on a popular level. You know, when you're talking about private prayer in, in that way. Um, there, there was a series of books written by Stormy O'Martin, you know, the prayers of a praying wife, prayers of a praying husband, prayers for your children. Those things are good. What am I supposed to be praying for my wife? What am I supposed to be praying for my husband? That's, that, those are all helpful. Yeah. I think the, the idea of, a, of printed prayers, like we, I really love the book, The Valley of Vision. And I think, uh, you know, in counseling with people, sometimes they just don't even have the language for 
repentance. You know, how do they? How do I? How do I actually articulate my sorrow before God? Yeah. Uh, and so, part of that, I'll I'll sign those uh, those things. You know, for them to read and structure their prayer life on a, on a life of repentance. Yeah, and there's nothing un there's nothing um there's not anything unspiritual about praying a printed prayer. If you have that category in your mind. Just ask yourself, where does that even come from? That, well, that's yeah. absurd. There's well, a certain arrogance if you don't want to use it. Absolutely. Well, and Jesus gave us a model prayer. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, so the precedent Pray is in set. This way. Yeah, the precedent is set by Jesus. And please don't assume that your kids know how to pray. I, my son was at school the other day, and and I got one of his classmates got asked to pray, and and she was like, "How do how do I start the prayer?" And she didn't really know. And then she got to the end and she said, well, that's all I've got. Um, well, goodbye. And she got done praying and she turned to the other kids and said, I, I wish there was some like nice way to close a prayer. Well, the disciples understood the same thing. Lord, teach us to pray. Yeah. And that's why he gave them the pattern. This pattern, this is how you should pray. And that's in Matthew chapter 6. Well, we will see you next time on The Gospel for Life. 